found it. It's a Japan Web podcast coming at you out of the back end of Asia. Shinjuku Nichome, the armpit of Asia. Straight out of Monkeypox Alley. Why do they call Shinjuku Nichome Monkeypox Alley? You use the toilets here and you just might find out. My name is Matthew PMBigelow.com. That's also conveniently the name of the website, Matthew PM. Like AM and PM, Matthew, PMBigelow.com. And I'm drinking what you're drinking. Ah, good old that thing that you're drinking. I love that thing that you're drinking because I'm drinking it as well. Yeah, I'm in this new, I'm, I'm, I've been studio hunting in uh, the Shinjuku district area. The rooms are great. The, the thing is, though, this is the, one of the noisiest places on earth, and it's really, really, really hard to find a quiet place. There's a lot of studio spaces. I want, like, the, um, the, the Yakushitsu quiet room. I, I want to find some monk who's, who's made a soundproof studio, not for music, but just to relax. Then I come in there, and I give him some money, and I say, go buy some beans, you monk, and I use his space for a while and record in a perfectly, not, not, not a non-noise room, but, you know, you could have the wood, the tatami mats, maybe even like a bird sound occasionally. It can be from a speaker. I don't care. But it would give that feeling of zen that everybody comes to Japan to find, but nobody finds it. Not even the people looking for zen. Zen does not exist. And that's why people find it so appealing. Um, flying solo today, as kind of usual. Um, the fine folks at a No Agenda adjacent podcast called Behind the Schemes, and that's S C H three M three S. You know, like the Leet Speak, the Hacker Code, uh, Behind the Schemes. I've been reaching out, and um, we I've been on their podcast before, and. They're good guys. They're great guys, and they're they have like this. Um, they're they're savvy for the the new infrastructure that's being implemented um, for uh, people making audio products and creators, whatever you want to call them, uh, podcasters, um, to avoid the whole um, algorithm YouTube big tech thing. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit like Linux, where if you figure it out, you're some sort of genius. And I try to figure it out. But I'm also not a genius, so I'm kind of like a meth head that begins taking apart a bicycle and then just leaves all of the parts um, around his tent in some sort of um, tent city that everybody associated five years ago with California, but now is just everywhere you look on um, Instagram. <laughs> tent city. Um, we, we used to have more of them in Japan, but the average Japanese homeless person is not a meth head and is like 65 years old. So um, I don't think they're, they're worried about all that. But anyways, um, I've been getting into the, the podcasting um, 2.0 infrastructure and um, very, very fascinating. Um, the new products that are coming out, the new um, applications, the new extensions, um, really are for the end user and to connect the end user to the creator or the podcast or whatever you want to call it. I don't like the word creator very much, uh, you know, whatever. It's, it, it's 2023. Maybe words change over time, Mr. Bigelow. Okay, they do. Um, but the I've been trying to transfer over my podcast um, from one app to the new apps, the, the podcasting 2.0 apps. And this is a value-for-value value scheme. 
And what makes this a value for value is that you can give uh, Bitcoin donations or Satoshis or Sats. You can stack Sats as you pod. Um, I've been using the Podverse app and the Fountain app. I got both of them. Um, and I connected the podcast, my podcast, the Japan What Podcast, this podcast, Japan What Podcast, MatthewPMBigelow.com, um, into the infrastructure here and uh, got some sat streaming. Um, the guys up behind the schemes were kind enough to make a, a donation or a boostagram. Still not sure how to check if like um, text was involved or some sort of audio thing or you just you just get a boostagram. I'm not exactly sure the um, in the ins and out of ins and outs of all of that yet. Not only was I surprised with the podcasting 2.0 apps just for this infrastructure that you know. I, I think I think most cryptocurrency is garbage. I never really touched it. I've always been interested in Bitcoin. The the older I get, the more interested I become in Bitcoin. It, it really does seem to be the sole store of value. The the one thing that goes up and down as markets change. Um, it went up to sixty grand a coin, and then back down to twelve, and now it's up to twenty four, and it kind of goes up and down. And I've been following it ever since the Mount Gox controversy erupted in Japan, uh, erupted like a volcano, uh, the Magic the Gathering online exchange where this was back when, you know, Bitcoin was worth a dollar or even less, and people would um, exchange their Magic cards online, um, and you know, and use Bitcoin as a way to make kind of micropayments through the internet, um, and that's where I guess we're now we're making micropayments through the internet for podcasts instead of Magic the Gathering cards. I'm sure there's an overlay there in uh, people who, who did it then and are doing it now. But not only is the back end very interesting, the podcast apps themselves look really nice. The, the display is good. The options are good. It really makes the UI for the, the, pod, the, the listener of a podcast. Um, instead of, um, I was using Overcast, the original iPhone podcast app, and it just develops over time. And the Overcast gets advertisements on it, and it's not that appealing to look at. I know, generally speaking, most people just put on a podcast and hit play and, and listen to it, and that's more or less what I do. But the 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 imaging and the the functionality. There's a transcript option that you can go into. You can also go live if you if you hook that infrastructure up through the podcast, so you can podcast live, and then it's available for streaming or download after that. It just looks nice. It looks sweet. It looks smooth, and it's something you want to engage with as a product. So, I'm okay. I'm gonna done. I'm gonna finish plugging here, but you can you can go and download. Um, you know, there's uh, the podcasting index, podcast index, um, podcast 2.0. Look up uh, podcast 2.0 compliant apps, um, and you can get involved. You don't necessarily need to use it to stream uh, satoshis from from one person to another, although you can, and you can do it to me through those apps. Uh, I I recommend making the change because the apps look sweet, they look great, and it's um, one of those uh, tech innovations that circumvents big tech in the way that you don't have to, you don't have to fall in line with like the, um, the I need to get more followers on Twitter or I need to hack the algorithm on YouTube to go viral or something like that. It's not like this weird scheme. There's no, it's not like this weird behind the schemes. Um, it's not like this weird mind fuck where you're just constantly wondering why one thing goes crazy and why one thing doesn't go crazy. 
But if you're interested in, in all of that and, and, and just want a solid user experience without a bunch of noise associated with it, uh, algorithmic noise from the woke big tech idiots that continually meddle with our lives in ways we don't know through wireless streaming that comes into our phones and tries to psychographically manipulate all of us. This kills that, which is great. That goes back to the, my idea. I'm an AI expert. I used to run an AI school at a telecommunications company in Japan. And what I realized is that when we don't put AI in our hands, it gets in our head. And that's the key. When we use automation and all these things to um, algorithmically, you know, as algorithmic tools, like literal tools that we use with our hands um, to make processes easier and speed things up, it makes society much better. But when we just let the let it let it, let our hands go, and it just enters tries to enter our mind, and it never really works. It's like somebody who speaks a little bit of the same language, but a little bit of the different language. You think you know what you're trying to say to each other, but half the time you like you walk away and you're like, I'm not sure if that really was the thing I wanted to say. So it, it avoids all the confusion. It circumvents the confusion by putting the AI and the automation into our hands, into the infrastructure, instead of our brains. Hmm. It is a bit of a ball ache to figure it all out. But it's interesting that as soon as you set up the, the wallet, I used getalby.com, um, thanks to the Behind the Schemes guys. And I know your names, and I know you have your, your, your pseudonyms that you kind of use. I'm just saying Behind the Schemes guys to avoid any kind of confusion. So if you're listening, Behind the Schemes guys, thank you for the boost. Uh, and I'm just doing this to say, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to expose you to the world of Japan without your pseudonyms being hacked. Let's take a look at products. Now, when we think about controversial products in Japan, um, a lot of people would say, oh yeah, Japan, that's the crazy place where you can buy women's underwear with uh, shit and blood all over it. Out of the vending machines, of course. Hmm. How many people said that over the years? I I've been here since 2006. I saw it one time at a... It wasn't a real one. It's like it's, it's women's underwear that has fake blood and shit on. It's not real. But they're not everywhere. It was one time in Akihabara. And like, I bought 30 of them. And I, I tasted them all. And none of them tasted like, like human excrement or human blood. <laughs> I didn't do that. But the other thing that we all imagine is a whale. And Japanese, there's an aspect of Japanese culture coming, stemming from the more the staunch conservative, um, we need to preserve the traditions of Japan that really try to push into whaling and, and eating whales. And there's a lot of government money that goes into this and you can become like a, a, a whale museum director and we need to reintroduce whale meat to the local populations. And most Japanese people kind of go, oh yeah, whales, those, yeah, well, that's part of our culture, yeah. But I, I've, never, I've never been to a restaurant and overheard or listened or, or, you know, I've been here since 2006. No one has ever said to me, man, Let's go get some whale. Let's eat whale. Let's get some whale after work and get some beers. And I've never like, you know, okay, so maybe I'm a foreigner and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to offend me because they're so sensitive. De -de 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 -de. I've never heard anyone over, over, I've never heard anyone say 
in my, my uh, you know, I might be behind a monitor at work, you know, and you might hear somebody like, mm, I want to go eat some whale. Could you type it down there? Let's go eat some whale. Never. So this is a this is a super dumb controversial product coming to us from japantoday.com, the official website of the Japan What Pod. It's not the official site. It's the one that I use the most because it offers a um, uh, a wide spectrum of view and analysis of what's going on in Japan uh, without having the angles that are involved from directly from news agencies. It's like an amalgamation site. So it begins, company uses whale meat vending machines to promote sales in Japan. And this does not come to us from Sora News, which is great, because I hate Sora News. A Japanese whaling operator, after struggling for years to promote its products amid protests from conservationists. No, no, no. Struggling for years to promote its products. Um, oh, amid protests. Okay, how about amid nobody caring about whale meat? Has found a new way to cultivate clientele and bolster sales. Whale meat vending machines. The Kujira, which means whale. The Kujira store, an unmanned outlet that recently opened in the port town of Yokohama near Tokyo, houses three machines for whale sashimi, whale bacon, whale skin, and whale steak, as well as canned whale meat. Prices range from 1,000 yen to 3,000 yen. You know, 10 bucks to 30 bucks. Let's just average it out. The outlet features white vending machines decorated with cartoon whales and is the third location to launch in the Japanese capital region. It opened uh, a couple Tuesdays ago after two others were introduced in Tokyo early this year as part of Kyoto's Empakuko's new sales drive. Whale meat has long been a source of controversy, but sales in the new vending machines have quietly gotten off to a good start, the operator says. Anti-whale protesting wo uh, protests have subsided since Japan in 2019, terminated its much criticized research hunts in the Antarctic and resumed commercial wh uh, whaling off the Japanese coast. And that's always been the point. One of the main points is like, why does Japan consider whaling in the Antarctic to be part of its culture and then the, the Australians and the New Zealanders would get pissed off but most people in Japan like I used to teach a guy who worked in the government and I was like most people around the world don't agree with 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 Japan whaling in the Antarctic he's like what really is international waters why why would they care it's our culture I'm like dude <laughs> you're not you're you are not understanding how this world is working um Quote, the issue is not the vending machines themselves, but what they may lead to, said Nanami Kurosawa, head of the Iruka and Kujira Action Network. Kurosawa noted the whaling operator is already asking for additional catches and to expand whaling outside the designated waters. Kyoto Senpaku hopes to set up vending machines at 100 locations nationwide in five years, company spokesperson Komo Bukubo told the Associated Press. A fourth is set to open in Osaka next month. Um, do, 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 do. There we go. So uh, the, the fact that, you know, they're in vending machines and most foreigners don't understand that, you know, Kujira means whale, there could be a, a local targeted market that would be interested in purchasing frozen whale skin out of a vending machine in Yokohama. I don't know who they are. <laughs> it's a ridiculous product. Um, the, the, they're well-funded, though, and they get, they, they get millions of dollars. I remember in the, after, in the aftermath of the Tohoku earthquake, um, 
uh, Fukushima Daiichi nuclear meltdown and the tsunami off of the Fukushima coast there, the triple, the triple murder, that, ugh, that was a bad time. Um, they got, you know, so much money for reconstruction efforts, but millions of dollars got siphoned off of those reconstruction efforts funds into uh, whaling purposes, to like, for whaling, to go hunt whales. That's how powerful the whale lobby is in Japan. And I don't understand why it's still so powerful. Um, I don't understand why people have to think it's, it's not... It's a part of the culture, but is it? It's kind of like saying, like, well, in Canada, we used to go and hunt those whale pups in, in, in Newfoundland, and we would just spear all these whale pups. And it's kind of our culture. Like, nobody in Canada really even thinks that. And we kind of say, maybe we did that because it was cold as shit, and we didn't have anything else to eat, and we could sell them and make boots and stuff. But uh, the idea that most Canadians are now like, instead of going to Walmart and buying a pair of shoes, I want to take this spear and go murder a bunch of seal babies. Uh, we kind of got over it, and I wonder why um, that's not the case in Japan. But anyways, if you are interested in buying frozen whale skin out of a vending machine, there is a port called Yokohama that is right for you. If you are interested, you can go to MatthewPMBigelow.com and check out some of the pictures of the whale meat vending machines. I kind of have a bit of a cold today. My son's been sick for the past few days. Um, he can't go to the, the daycare center if he has like a runny nose because everybody's paranoid here because COVID is still a thing. The, the government plans to reduce COVID to influenza status in May, you know, because they know when these things happen. Until May, COVID is still super deadly. But after May... COVID will not be deadly anymore. Did you know that? The, 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 the bureaucrats have that much power that we're supposed to just believe them all. <sighs> mm, this thing that I'm drinking is the thing that you're drinking. Next product. Do we still have time? Yes, we do. Um, product number two is, um, I'm not sure, would you say... This product is equally stupid or doubly stupid. A beanbag chair. What? You might be saying, well, who cares about a beanbag chair? This is not your regular beanbag chair. It's a wearable beanbag. This is from Sora News 24, which means we're going to hate read it. Japan is famous for being a land of convenience. So when you want to stay warm and sit down for extended periods of time, who can be bothered to go to the effort of pulling out a chair and wrapping a blanket around yourself? I hate you, Sora News 24. You're describing everybody. Everybody who's ever lived ever is the person that can be bothered to go through this effort you're questioning us about. In this day and age, there should be a way for all these things to be done in one swift movement. And that's exactly what's now possible. Thanks to a new product called the Wearable Beanbag. The Wearable Beanbag was created by Taiki Kosoing, a company in Ozaki City, Aichi Prefecture, that specializes in beanbags, or bead cushions as they're known in Japan. According to the company, the product was designed around the idea of a cushion that ruins people, a concept that's become popular in recent years, where designers seek to provide customers with comfort levels so supreme they will never want to move, leading to their ultimate ruin. 
Simply plop yourself down and you've got cushion comfort all around, allowing you to play video games or scroll through your phone for hours on end. Yeah, this is, um, this is maximum millennial. This might even be um, uh, Gen Z, although I think Gen Z has more of an edge than the millennials. Unlike regular cushions or regular beanbags even, the comfy item will mold itself to hug your curves with ultimate comfort as you sit and roll about from position to position. I'll be posting these pictures on um, Japan, not Japan, uh, MatthewPMBigelow.com as well. Um, and you can see the various sizes. They also have it for kids. It's pretty cute. It's overall very stupid. And the fact that you can now get wearable beanbag chairs um, just uh, speaks volumes to the amount of, um, I don't know, how lazy the modern culture is, really. Made in Japan. Photo by Rakuten and Hanalolo. Check them out at MatthewPMPiglo.com. Let's get into some more controversy here. I'm going to go from um, whales and, and beanbags to sushi Sushiro controversy. This is perhaps one of the um, one of the top top things this week. Sorry about that. This is I'm recording this on February first, twenty twenty three. We're already into February, and how are your year plans going? Huh? Catching up with all that. There was um, a kid who was filmed, purposely filmed, like a TikToker. Um, going into a sushi roll, which is a, a go-around sushi place, a kaiten sushi place, you know, we all know what they are. And he, you know, the Japan's a high-trust society, so you kind of hope that people don't screw around with everything. He goes in there and starts screwing around with everything, being filmed. He uh, sucks on a, um, on a, uh, a, a soy sauce bottle, like, for communal use. He licks the inside of a cup, pretty much. He licks his fingers and starts smearing his saliva on a piece of sushi that's going around the restaurant. And then this was posted on TikTok. The account that I saw it on Twitter had 30 million views. Um, I'm going to embed the video on the website, MatthewPMBigelow.com, if you want to go check it out. Just one click away. Uh, it's disgusting. But the company, Sushiro, which is an AI company, for many years now, they've been using Amazon Web Services to calculate the freshness of their, um, their sushi as it goes around, to dispose of it automatically. There's sensors in all of the plates. And the sensors get read by sensor readers as they go around the restaurant. And da 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 da, da. It's a really interesting service. But um, they're going to fight back. So this is um, from Kyoto News, and it's a Japanese uh, news uh, article, and I translated it into English for our enjoyment through Google Translator, which, as we know these days, if you've been following up with um, alternative products like ChatGPT, is getting really good. Um, Ten years ago, it was garbage. Now it's amazing. Um, as nuisance acts at conveyor belt sushi restaurants have been discovered one after another, Sushiro has also announced a policy to consult the police, saying that videos of nuisance acts were posted on NSS, SNS, social networking sites. The nuisance video filmed inside the store of the conveyor belt sushi chain Sushiro shows a male customer licking a teacup and putting it back on the shelf for other customers to use, as well as smearing saliva on the sushi that is rotating in the lane. 
Akindo Sushiro, which operates Sushiro, said that there was a serious incident and it damaged the relationship of trust with customers and that it is very regrettable that customers feel uncomfortable. Akindo Sushi is investigating the stores and the timing of the nuisance and will proceed with the disinfection of the stores that may be subject and will consult with the police as soon as possible to deal strictly with both criminal and civil matters. Last week, Hamazushi reported to the police about the nuisance at conveyor belt sushi restaurants, and Kurazushi also consulted with the police, repairing the AI camera system to prevent reoccurrence. There we go. Always say the quiet part out at the end if you know what you're doing. Repairing the AI camera system. Hmm. Well... This would be computer vision, where computer vision can now recognize, you know, if you're about to commit a crime, you look around to see if anybody else is looking at you. So if you do that in front of an AI camera, it will kind of go, oh, suspicious activity noted. And then if you begin to, like, I don't know if there's a big enough database. Like, if you pull out a gun, there's enough videos of people pulling out guns that the AI camera can be like, that's a gun. I'm not sure if there's enough um, video evidence of, of people licking the insides of uh, teacups at sushi restaurants to provide with enough of a, a database for that, but I'm sure they know what they're doing. Um, I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, this kid who was doing these uh, nuisance acts as the company, as the translator of software, told us about, he's a young kid, but... Um, the thing with giving millions and billions of kids uh, connected cameras with the enticement, the constant enticement of going viral for doing something idiotic, it means you're, they're, they're going to do something idiotic. And when I was young. I remember doing a lot of stupid shit. I don't remember filming it for the world to see, though. Like, uh, I never did criminal stuff. But when you're a kid, you might, like, break something or you might push over a fence if you're in the middle of the woods or something like that. And you don't really think about it. You're just like, yeah, kicked over a fence. You know, and you don't think of like some guy has to go and fix it because you're just a stupid 16-year-old who's like, yeah, look at me. I have the power to kick over a fence. You know, maybe five years ago, you couldn't imagine having that kind of power without that kind of responsibility. But I think it's good to hold the sort of Damocles over all of these kids now who are just tempted to like turn the world into their studio hey, you have all this infrastructure and you spent millions of dollars on building up this sushi company. Why don't I come in and turn it into my own personal viral video factory? How about you go fuck yourself? How about we're going to come back at you? This is the idea of the AI in the mind versus the AI in the hands. So if these companies can implement um, a, a solid uh, AI camera system that can detect nuisance behavior, as it's called in Japan... Uh, it will be able to prevent it. And you don't need much to prevent it. If you see, if the camera recognizes like, hey, table seven, um, possible nuisance activity, you just need to send somebody like a worker in the restaurant to go to that table and kind of say, hey, can I help you with anything? And they're going to be like, what? No, we're fine. And they just can be like, okay, let me know if you need anything, guys. And if they do it again, the same person comes back and just says, hey, you need anything? Oh, what? No, 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 we're fine. We're just enjoying the sushi. Oh, really? You're enjoying the sushi. That's so great. Let me know if you 
need anything. Do you need those cups cleaned? Are those, are those fine? Oh, yeah, this, this cup that I was just kind of almost sticking my tongue into, that's fine. Good, because, you know, we want to make sure you're fine. And then those people kind of go, what? Because criminals, once they're kind of get, you know, once you're doing something you're not supposed to do and, and, and authority figures start catching the drift, you bugger off pretty quickly. Then they can go and do dumb stuff outside, you know? Stop doing dumb shit inside everybody all the time. That is the Sushiro controversy. I'll be posting the video to that on MatthewPMBigelow.com. Oh, speaking of which, wait a minute. Yeah, if you... Why don't I do that? Saito Revenger. Make sure to go to those apps podcasting 2.0 developed in part with adam curry the inventor of the podcast who's who's preventing the takeover of the podcast from the deep state (laughs) if you notice like most people's guests these days on podcasts are like he spent 15 years in the cia and now he's here to talk to us about no so make sure to go to podcasting 2.0 circumvent the cia and get stats stacked to your account via the people listening in real time podcasting 2.0 compliant apps you can search for the japan what podcast on most of them and donate sats now you can also go to matthewpmbigelow.com all right sperm who likes sperm Ooh, sperm i'm not talking about whale sperm I'm talking about good old human cum. Yeah. This is a news article that comes to us from Kyoto News. I've been liking Kyoto News recently. They have a lot of interesting articles. Way more interesting than the NHK. Um, and they're a little bit more targeted than uh, Japan today. So hold on a second here. Let's just take a, let's just take a look here. Oh, wait. We're going to play this game. Is it? Oh, is it? Morally reprehensible. Is this story morally reprehensible, or is it not? More than five hundred and more than five hundred women in Japan used overseas sperm bank as demand grows. As demand gets hard, yeah. Tokyo, more than 500 women in Japan made use of a major Denmark-based sperm bank in the roughly three and a half years through last October, a recent report by the company showed, highlighting growing domestic demand for the service. Cryos International, the world's largest sperm bank with around 1,000 registered donors, has sold sperm to single women sexual minorities, and women with infertile husbands. That's got to that's gotta suck. In Japan, since officially launching local consultation services in March 2019. Hey, Taro, your dick don't work. Let's go get us a Danish boy. With only 150 clients in Japan tallied in November 2020, recipients have jumped more than threefold in the roughly two years to October 2022. A lot of women aren't getting married and a lot of men aren't interested, so... They're going, uh, they're going, is it Danish or is it Netherlands? Uh, Denmark, the Danes. Danes getting in there. 
their sperm. A nonpartisan parliamentary group is deliberating on legislation for assisted reproductive technology using donated sperm or ova in Japan, but an outline of a bill last March showed that commercial transactions would be prohibited. Yeah, no Dane babies for money. Hiromi Ito, who heads Cryos International's Japan's operation, has expressed her willingness to begin recruiting donors in Japan, saying that, quote, women who want children will not give up and will turn to person-to-person transactions, which involves risks such as infectious diseases. Yes, the Taro AIDS babies. I would like the government to create an environment where private sperm banks can operate under certain rules and safety controls. Yeah, I'll give you some safety controls. Donors at Cryos International, the majority of whom come from the United States and Europe, can either be anonymous or consent to an ID release where identifying information is disclosed when the child comes of age. Comes. The report showed that 70% of clients in Japan chose non-anonymous donors, suggesting many believe that a child has the right to know their origins. User surveys conducted in 2021 and 2022 showed that 35% of the 246 respondents were married, while 13% were in same-sex relationships and 52% were single. There we go. Uh, Same-sex relations? I don't really care if if same-sex people adopt. You know, it's like, hey, these gay people adopted and then they they raped their kids. It's like, well, a lot of kids get raped by, by straight people too, you know, quote-unquote straight. Pedo asses. Send them all to hell. The report estimates that the sexual minorities make up between 30 and percent of all clients. What? Uh, consultation data indicates that unpartnered lesbians and asexuals make up a share of those who are single. Oh, I see. The desire to have children is a lifestyle choice, and it is unacceptable to discriminate based on gender identity or sexual orientation, said Shuhei Nomiya, a professor emeritus in family law at Ritsu Meikan University. Yeah, I agree. You might have your misgivings about it, but from a legal standpoint, um, implementing that type of apartheid uh you know in in, into genetics um, is not not the role of the government well the japan society for obstetric whoa obstetrics obstetrics and uh, gynecology stated in its proposal in 2021 that assisted reproductive technology using donated sperm or eggs would be limited to infertile homosexual companies companies, couples, it has noted that the need to respond in the future to increasing demand from sexual minority couples. Huh. Let's just... mm, There we go. If you are a homosexual single person or a homosexual couple and you would like to swing the odds, swing, of your sperm bank coming from a homosexual or a stri- or non-homosexual, I don't like the word cisgender, or a straight person, um, and you wanted them, you would hope that they would become homosexual in the future because you have this like, hey, we should be, we want to be a gay family. Everybody's gay. Uh, I want my son to bring home a son one day. Do you think it's morally reprehensible to begin the screening process for homosexuals who want to have a child 
to improve the probability that their child, which is they would receive the sperm from a bank, would be donated by another homosexual? And would you then have the right to have uh, access to their health records? Or you just roll the dice? It could be some dodgy homosexual or it could be some banker homosexual who's not dodgy. A non-dodgy homosexual banker. That's what I want in my future so that I could have a homosexual gay banker as a son who will bring home another homosexual gay banker as his partner. And I could have two sons who are both homosexual bankers. Or is it morally reprehensible? What do you think? Is it? Is it? Fine. Oh, is it? Morally reprehensible. I'm on the fine side, by the way. I don't mind. I don't mind either way. I'm very liberal. I'm liberal. Okay, let's take a look at the next news item here. Moving on from sperm. Um, let's take a look at the international. I was going to go... Actually, let's do um, a Nikkei Blitz. Um, I don't want to pay for the subscription to the Nikkei Asia English, but you can go there and get the first couple paragraphs for free, so we're going to do that. But first, I'm going to have another... What you're doing right now. Japan's economy. Japan's MUFG, which is a banking thing, launches a $100 million fund to back Indonesian startups. Megabank looks to boost Indonesian subsidiary Danamon with tech collaborations. Tokyo. Um, the group's venture capital unit, MFG, MUFG Innovation Partners, is managing the fund plans to call for the vehicle to inject cash into about 15 startups. Indonesian is seen as a growth area for startups. There's a massive youth culture there. A lot of them unemployed and um, a lot of them into the, uh, the app economy and the gig economy, which means they can be exploited. Next one, not MUFG, but Japan's SMFG looks outside traditional banking for growth, CEO. Uh, Sumitomo Mitsui Financial Group will maintain a focus on international markets and target non-banking businesses to lead growth amid a highly rapidly changing banking environment. It is certain that overseas markets are the driver of growth, President and CEO Jun Ota said, adding their plans to continue, continue investment and business expansion outside Japan. Unfortunately, because of Japan's declining birth rate, um, a lot of these major companies inside Japan are looking outside of Japan for their growth. So they kind of turn their back on their own people. And now they're the only, then now the young people in Japan have to look for growth options outside of Japan, not for their potential future inside of Japan, but to better the people outside of Japan with Japanese expertise, which may or not may not be needed. Japan's GDP rebounds 2.3% in Q4. Analysts estimate reopening from pandemic lifts spendings with exports also expected to rise. Japan's economy staged a recovery in the fourth quarter on the strength of consumer spending, economists shows. Real gross domestic product grew an estimated 2.3% on an annualized basis, you know, COVID, in the October-December period compared with the previous quarter. According with the average among uh, 10 analysts, their growth estimated from around 1% to 4.1%. 
News Blitz. This one's interesting. China's BYD starts EV sales in Japan as it chases Tesla. Tesla's been making a lot of inroads into Japan. I see a lot of Teslas around. I'm, I'm not a car guy, but I really like Teslas. Um, I know a lot of people think they're stupid and dumb. I think they're amazing, uh, technologically speaking. What's going on under the hood is nuts. Chinese automaker BYD began selling electric vehicles in Japan on Tuesday as it pursues its global ambitions to overtake more established nameplates. BYD's debut in the world's fourth largest auto market comes with it having secured its place as China's top EV seller and nipping at the heels of American EV giant Tesla in global EV sales. The amount of um the amount of cars being made in China right now by China for China is nuts. Uh, they they managed to make their own domestic industry, and we don't hear about it because uh, nobody else uh, talks about it. But now they can export their automobile expertise that they you know everybody says like they just stole it all. It's like no, everybody exported all of their manufacturing to China, and China just went, yeah, we can do this now ourselves. Thanks, bye. And uh, you know what? All these uh, greedy corporations that when, well, now we can fire all the Michigan workers and open up an EV plant in China. China just turns around and says, now we can fire all these Americans from China and sell to China and then maybe even back to America. It's just gone full swing. Foxconn, the um, iPhone maker, new EV exec, Jun Seki, had insider's view at Nissan and NIDEC. Auto industry veteran brings production supply chain know-how to newcomer. After working with both Nissan Motor and Japanese EV motor maker NIDEC, Jun Seki will reboot his automotive industry career at one of the electric vehicles market's newest players, Foxconn. As the chief strategy officer for Foxconn's EV business from Wednesday, today, Seki will navigate the Taiwanese iPhone assembler's drive to go from zero to a 5% global market share in EVs by 2025. The only reason I bring this up is because this guy here is wearing a sustainable development goals pin in the lapel of his jacket. And you see this more and more on TV. I saw it next, I was, was in a restaurant and some guy sat down next to me and he had an SGD, SDG pin in his lapel. All I'm trying to say is that these people are now the, the mid-level managers that inject themselves into everybody's business and say, what about this thing that nobody wants to do, but I'm here to tell you to do it? He strikes me as that type of dude. All right, let's move on to another topic. International. Now, we have these um, wars in the world, and they're kind of coming more onto all of our home shores, wars on our shores. NATO, the North Atlantic treaty organization is in Japan, the head, Jens Stoltenberg, to, I don't know, like, why? Why is the head of NATO in Japan? This is what I don't like about where Europe is heading. I think Europe is not in a good place at all. If you have the head of NATO the chief, stronger ties to with Japan to defend democracy. NATO Security General Nen Stoltenberg sharply criticized China on Tuesday for bullying its neighbors and threatening Taiwan. You know, 
which is in the East China Sea, and stressed the need for Japan and other democracies to work together with the alliance to defend the international order, the new world order. Calling it a critical moment for NATO and for Japan, Stoltenberg, who was visiting Tokyo, said China and Russia are, quote, leading an authoritarian pushback against international rules-based order, or the new world order. He said transatlantic and Indo-Pacific security are deeply interconnected. <laughs> and a victory by Russian President Vladimir Putin in Ukraine would send a message that authoritarian regimes can achieve their goals through brute force. This is dangerous, he said. Are we talking Iraq? Are we talking um, Are we talking Afghanistan? Are, are we talking what? Um, Iran-Contra? What? What? China is watching closely and learning lessons that may influence its future decisions, Stoltenberg said at a joint news conference with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. China is substantially building up its military forces, including nuclear weapons, bullying its neighbors and threatening Taiwan, trying to control critical infrastructure and spreading misinformation about NATO and the war in Ukraine. Uh, Stoltenberg said, you know, we don't offer any evidence of all this. We just say it. We're going to do all of our business in China, but at the same time, we don't want China to do anything else. Just, be, just do our business, China, and shut the fuck up. Not that I'm a China person. I'm not. But um, what did you expect when the whole world outsourced all of its business interests, not all, but into China, that they wouldn't amalgamate all that and then repurpose it and come back to screw you later? Stoltenberg's direct criticism of China contrasted with Kishida's more indirect expression of opposition to any one-sided changes by force to the status quo in the East and South China Seas. Mm, I don't want... The, I think the fewer European military interests and American military interests, because there's enough in Japan, injecting themselves into Japan is, uh, is for the better of everything. Um, does, does NATO need the money? Recently, uh, Prime Minister Kishida announced that they would increase military spending, or defense spending, sorry, to 2% of the GDP, which is what NATO kind of expects from its member states, which almost no one provides. Except America at 4.4%, I think, at one point. But that's just so that America can kind of occupy militarily the rest of Europe, the rest of Japan and everywhere else. Yeah, okay, sure. I remember doing some deep dives on some people. I did a bit of a deep dive on Jens Stoltenberg. And what I have to say just might shock you about what this guy, what this guy is. He's a Norwegian politician and has been serving as the 13th Secretary General of NATO since 2014. Okay. He attended Oslo Waldorf School and Oslo Cathedral School before graduating with a degree in economics from the University of Oslo in 1987. Okay. Maybe he's not that bad. I couldn't really find anything wrong about this person. I'm a, my grandfather was from Norway, and he was a member of the King's Guard in World War II. And he, um, when the Nazis rolled in because uh, Sweden let them and the quisling element in the Norwegian royalty and government... 
Let them roll through. My grandfather got a hand on some pair of skis, skied back into Sweden, Sweden, and then made his way to the north of Norway to fight the Nazis there. So I have a little bit of a in common with Mr. Stoltenberg. Um, but when Stoltenberg was prime minister, Norway's defense spending increased steadily, with the result that Norway today is one of the NATO allies with the highest per capita defense expenditure. All right. He seems like a really, really interesting, not interesting. He seems like a, a decent person. Notice that I couldn't, I'm not, I couldn't find any, like, he worked in the, the, the secret thing with the, with the intelligence community. He, he seems like a real cautious kind of person, real normal person. Um, the only thing that I could find, oh, excuse me, was that his son, Alex Stoltenberg, Axel Stoltenberg, I'm sorry, born in 1989, I'm reading off Wikipedia here, who is studying Chinese at the Shanghai Jiao Tong University. Okay. So his, he, has, he has one living sister, a medical researcher, uh, and one late sister, Nina, four years younger, who died in 2014, who was a recovering heroin addict. Hmm. But, you know, everybody has... I have some meth-head cousins. They suck after a while. When you're young, you're like, oh, how interesting. But then after a while, you're like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't need you. I don't need you in my life. So the guy seems like a really stand-up person. But I, I will say, as, you know, from a, a victim of the, <laughs> of the Norwegian past, uh, where I am in Japan, I'm not a victim, but as a result of... Uh, ongoing military conflicts, uh, the consequences are, are insane, and just back off, NATO. Don't don't come around Japan asking 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 for Japan's help. It's it's not even supposed to have a military. It's not even supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be a pacifistic nation. So it's like, hey, uh, we're the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Um, we we need this pacifistic country without a military to um, help defend democracy, whatever that means. It comes across as horseshit. It comes across as recruiting for the upcoming war that we all know is in the bag, and it's coming. And there's not much we can do about it. So let's move on to the next story. I think we'll just do one more. Technology. AI laser gun. Anti-insect laser gun turrets designed by Osaka University expected to work on roaches too. Again, this is Sora News 24. Considering we are now in the year 2023, blah, blah, blah. Things aren't as new, but we have pest control. That... Thanks to a development by a research team at the Institute of Laser Engineering at Osaka University, a group led by professors Hiroshi Fuji and Kazuhisa Yamamoto have found possibly the most efficient laser pest control system to date, which may one day render conventional pesticides obsolete, which would be great, right? No more poison, more lasers. Less poison, more lasers. I think that'll be the title of the show. An anti-insect lasers... 
uh, have been in development for over a decade now, mainly with the aim of eliminating mosquitoes and the diseases they carry. However, their bodies are much smaller than most insects, and even though they can be completely irradiated by laser aimed at their general directions, energy consumption for long-range shooting and cost-effectiveness remain an issue. Um, the team, uh, what they did to reduce costs and all these efficiencies was they found the weak spots where something like a moth is most vulnerable to a laser blast, uh, you know, the face or the chest. Uh, the next step was to create a blue laser diode gun that could target and lock onto these weak spots before firing a precision beam and terminating the insect in one headshot, uh, like John Wick, as it says. I'm trying to avoid all the things that make me hate it. So this type of uh, AI application, again, it's cameras, it's identifying and isolating and then initiating an action. Would you like to spray your house with um, disinfectant? You know, I don't like using chemicals in my house. Like, hey, I, sometimes a cockroach will get into my house. And I'm, like, and I'm like, what did I just spray in my house that destroyed this bug, you know? A laser might make more sense. Even if you get hit by a, a little laser, it might just kind of burn you, leave you with a pockmark. But you could blast the face off of a roach and then it's gone and you don't have to worry about chemicals. I think we all need lasers in our house. We all should have a laser array in our house that takes care of um, insects. You know, we all seen those those lights that hang and the, and the mosquitoes go in and zap. It's like having a, a decentralized bug zapper that, that with the use of AI um, destroys all of the insectoid threats entering your abode. You might have to turn it off at night unless you uh, feel like staying up for some action, you know, and then you could use that action and donate to a sperm bank near you. I think that's all we're going to do with today. We could do the last one. <laughs> Let's take a look at this. So uh, as somebody who is unvaccinated and doesn't wear a mask, I never regretted these decisions. Um, I haven't really worn a mask much since May 2020. I was really concerned about COVID before then, and I would like look. I, would, I started going to hospitals to look at all the personnel outside, and I was like, "Oh, this one's empty. This one might be kind of busy." And then I noticed nobody was dying on the streets, and I was like, "Okay, it's a thing." And if you go to the hospital, that's bad. But if you can avoid going to the hospital, that's good. So how do I avoid going to the hospital? And I said, okay, now that I did that, I don't think I need a mask and I don't think I need um, a vaccine. So I don't do those things. And I'm very unusual in Japan for doing that. That's 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 me for my 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 son. Actually, I want to when when the karma hits the fan. And this uh, generation of kids gets angry for um, totally destroying a lot of their um, opportunities in life because we rolled over as a society and closed everything up because um, some people got a cold, essentially. Some people died, but a lot of people just got a cold. Japan's monthly COVID deaths top 10,000 for the first time. This comes to us from January 28th, 2023. A total of 250 new coronavirus deaths were reported in Japan on Sunday, Saturday, last Saturday, bringing the death toll to January for to 10,124, the first time a monthly figure has exceeded 10,000, according to a tally based on prefectural reports. Hmm, really? Well, 
What, <laughs> what could be the reason? What could be the reason? Uh, how much uh, we are not in a good position for, for this type of thing. A lot of people got angry at me for spreading disinformation. A lot of people. And I think I may have even lost some friends, as we all have done. And I didn't really gain the amount of friends that I lost because it's Japan and, you know, a lot of people left. What do we do with these numbers? What do we do? What do we say? Uh, we do, nobody says, oops, was it the vaccine? Everybody's like, no, no, no. It's, it's even worse than before. The, as we continued, imagine if nobody was vaccinated, how many deaths there would be. And I say, I know, I know. The other day, I had six beers, and I got kind of drunk. Imagine how drunk I would have been if I hadn't had any beers at all. Whoa. <laughs> all right. That's going to cover it for today. I think I covered everything I need to cover for what's going on in Japan right now. Remember to go to MatthewPMBigelow.com to get all of the Japan What Needs, all of the pictures and news articles will be linked there. Maybe not all, but the essential ones, especially the photos from the whale vending machine, the wearable beanbag chair, and the video of the little punk in the sushi roll restaurant uh, being a little dick, licking everything and spreading his cooties around. That'll be it for today. Japan What Podcast is streaming on Japan Compliance, no, sorry, Podcast 2.0 Compliant Apps. Go check them out. Even if you don't donate Bitcoins or Satoshis through the Lightning Network via the apps, the apps look great. The Podverse app and the Fountain app were the ones that I've been looking at, and I can't recommend them enough. And thanks again to Behind the Schemes for uh, keeping uh, keeping on me to get into this uh, awesome chapter in the podcasting world. Uh, this has been the Japan with Podcast. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and take it easy. Coming at you from Monkeypox Alley, Shinjuku, Nichome, VR, and Asia.